Pastor Ray Bentley with insights on what the Lord requires of his disciples. What is holding you back from being my disciple? Is there anything that you don't want to let go of? Anything, any area of control? If there is anything that you want to hold on to and say, well, Lord, you can have everything in my life and every area of my life except this is mine. Guess what? The one thing that the Lord wants you to give up. Spread the news of His people coming down before the King. Lift your voice. Jesus is coming. Join the song. Sing along. Let it ring. Welcome to Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley. Maranatha bringing the message of Christ's soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. It's not that God wants our money, but God knows our money wants us. It wants to enslave us, to influence how we think, how we act, how we dream. Today, Pastor Ray points out that Jesus wants us to surrender whatever dominates our thoughts more than Him. It's part of being a true disciple. Luke chapter 18, Verse 18, it says, Now a certain ruler asked him, Jesus, saying, Good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, and that is God. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. And he said, all these I have kept from my youth. So when Jesus heard these things, he said to him, you still lack one thing. Sell all that you have and distribute it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. But when he heard this, he became very sorrowful for he was very rich. Now, I want to mention a, a couple of things. First of all, what's the root issue that's going on? This man's heart reveals a struggle that was going on. And it may be a struggle that's in some of our hearts tonight. And I like, on the one hand, uh, this young man's honesty as he comes to the Lord. Perhaps, I'm thinking of this young guy, what's going on? Perhaps he was disturbed. You know, there were two schools of thought. There were the Pharisees that were kind of the hyper-religious. And then you had the Sadducees that were, oh, they might have had their superstitions, but they really didn't believe in the supernatural. They didn't believe in the resurrection. And they were more philosophers, uh, materialists, but they were still Jews and part of Jewish culture. So uh, the Sadducees would have been the ones to plant seeds of doubt into a young mind who believed in God, had a spiritual sensitivity and say, ah, you can do all those things and you still won't get to heaven. And at the root of it, this was a young man who was disturbed uh, in his life because he did not have the assurance that he would have eternal life. And he wanted and was willing to do in his own mind, whatever it took, what can I do? Is there something I can do that if I do this, or that, or whatever you would tell me, then I can have that deep peace and assurance that I'm going to heaven. What's interesting is that Jesus, uh, first of all, starts off not by uh, immediately answering his question, but he, he challenges this young man and says, 
Why do you call me good? No one is good except God. Now, question, what does Jesus mean by this? He merely is pointing out something to this young man who of his own volition did something that that, uh, most Jewish people would not think about doing because he called him good. You are not only the teacher, but you are good. Hey, young man, you just called me good. But we know that in the word, only God is called good. Are you calling me God or equal with God? He wasn't challenging it. He was just having this young man realize what maybe without even thinking, intuitively being in the presence of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, that he felt and that came out of his heart. And uh, so Jesus then, in answer, when he gets finally to the answer of his question, you know, what must I do uh, to have eternal life? And Jesus answered him and he says, you know the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not commit murder, don't steal, don't bear false witness, honor your father and mother. He doesn't list all 10, but he lists a few of them and in that represents uh, basically what we know of as the 10 commandments. So here's a guy wrestling with wanting to know that I have salvation and that I have the assurance of my salvation. Jesus answers him and says, you know the commandments, and he lists a few of the commandments, follow the commandments. Now on the surface of that, does this contradict what the Apostle Paul teaches and that we all know there in many places, not only Paul, but uh, you know, James and John and Peter and the rest, who teach that no one is saved by following the law. I mean, that's a very clear doctrine in the New Testament. But now, listen carefully to what I am about to say. Jesus did not say keeping the commandments will guarantee eternal life. Jesus was merely answering this young man's question, what must I do? And Jesus said, what must you do? You want to know what you must do, what your Father in heaven wants you to do? He wants you to do the commandments. He didn't say that your ability to follow them will give you eternal life. He just said, your question was, what must I do? You must follow the commandments of God. We can't follow the commandments of God until we enter into that relationship with Jesus, but Jesus is going to go further. Now, here's where I want to bring in. Sometimes it's helpful to bring, you know, comparing scripture with scripture. So this is one uh, version of this story. We have another version of this same story between Jesus and the young man in the gospel of Mark. What must I do? You must do the commandments. Well, we have in the gospel of Mark, he tells the same story. In Mark chapter 10, verse 21, we read, then Jesus looking at him, loved him and said to him, one thing you lack, go your way, Sell whatever you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, take up the cross and follow me. Jesus invites this young man who was very zealous. He followed Jesus. He was drawn to Jesus. That was the spirit of God drawing him to Jesus. And he had a lot of zeal. I have this restlessness in my heart. What can I do? And and Jesus says, here's what you can do. I want you to go sell everything that you have and then come, pick up your cross and follow me. Turn that inner zeal that you have to become my disciple. I used to want more believers and add more believers and and yes, I still want to see people get saved and come into the family. 
But then it very, you know how the Lord raises up scriptures to your eyes, and I saw that the Great Commission was make disciples. Now disciples, to be a disciple, you have to begin by being a believer, but a disciple is more than a believer. And it will not be easy. You know, it is not easy to be a Christian. I, I don't think there's anything easy when Jesus says, if you wanna be my disciple, pick up your cross and follow me. Now. He is speaking uh, metaphorically. Jesus is the only one that died on the cross for our sins. So what does he mean when he says, you pick up your cross and follow me? It means essentially, not that you have to physically get up on a cross. You can't pay for your own sins. You're not good enough. Only Jesus is good. But what you can do is deny yourself. And that's the tough part. I have to deny myself. If I do what I want, when I want, how I want, well then you're just out in the world. And you will, as you seek to grab life, in the end you'll lose not only this life, but you'll lose your eternal life. In order to gain life, value, meaning, love, joy, hope, purpose, passion, hope, and, and the heart of the Lord within you, you must deny your life and your will and your way so that it might be re replaced with Jesus. A new creation that is now one with Jesus that is changed and transformed and broken and tenderized and renewed and now made one with him and bearing the fruit of the Lord. Jesus saying, come follow me, was his invitation to this young man to be his disciple. And Jesus knew this young man's heart. And he knew that he had a problem with money. He knew that this young man had a problem of covetousness. He knew that this young man was extremely wealthy. And Jesus could have started talking to him about covetousness. But he didn't preach to him about covetousness. He merely asked the young man to do something that a covetous person would never do. Do you follow? He didn't say, you're covetous and that's bad and you shouldn't do that. He didn't do any of that. He said, hey, great. You want to have an assurance of salvation? You know what the commandments are? You want to learn how to do it? Come, follow me. Pick up your cross. Oh, and by the way, step number one of denying yourself, just go sell all that rich stuff and then come follow me. And then it says because he was very rich and he turned around and he walked away because he was very sad. I don't think we have to condemn this young man forever that he was lost and separated from Christ and went to hell or anything. Jesus doesn't go on to finish the story. He leaves it on purpose. Therefore, I leave the possibility open that we may yet meet that young man in heaven who on that day walked away because he was wealthy, but who maybe later turned around, made the right choice, and said, after who knows how long, my riches have not brought me any greater assurance of salvation or eternal life. In fact, they have been a great stumbling block to me and gave them up. Now, let me say this. As Jesus asked this young man to do something a covetous man would never do, he exposed him. No one is saved by giving all their wealth to the poor. Nor would I say to you tonight, if you want to have the assurance of salvation, I want you to go write a check, give everything, every dime you've got away, and then you know, follow Christ in that way. Jesus did not ask the other disciples. In fact, no one else that we know of did he quite ask. This was tailor-made for this young man to be a disciple. And the point of the story is 
If there is anything that you want to hold on to and say, well, Lord, you can have everything in my life and every area of my life except this is mine. Guess what? The one thing that the Lord wants you to give up. You can have all the other stuff. Go ahead and keep it. That's not what's holding you back. What is holding you back from being my disciple? Is there anything that you don't want to let go of? Anything, any area of control, any vice, any weakness of the flesh that you grasp and hold on to, then let it go and come follow me. Pastor Ray Bentley will have more of today's study in just a moment. At Maranatha Radio, we've received so many cards, emails, and social media messages expressing appreciation for Pastor Ray's teaching. I thank God for Pastor Ray and his family and the ministry of Maranatha. A big thank you to the Bentley family for sharing Pastor Ray with us for these many years. Although we're sad that he's gone, we know we'll see him again. And we pray for the Bentley family that they would be comforted by the unfathomable peace that can come only through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's so encouraging to hear how Pastor Ray's teachings have touched so many lives through the years. If you have a message to share, you can email us, ray at raybentley.com or post a comment online at raybentley.com. And now more of today's message from Pastor Ray Bentley. As I mentioned, no one is saved just merely by giving their wealth to the poor. You can only be saved when you repent of your sins and come follow Christ. It is not wealth, you know, that kept this young man from Christ. It was his being possessed by his wealth. Fact of the matter is that there are a number of people in the Bible that were wealthy, that God blessed their whole lives, seemingly didn't deal with them. Abraham is one. Boaz, the famous guy in the story of Ruth, is another one. It's not having possessions that is wrong. It's being possessed by your possessions. Is there anything that possesses you and that you are a slave to? Then let it go and deny that and then come follow Christ. Jesus wants us to realize that there will be a cost for discipleship and the cost may be different for you than it is for me. I think that Jesus wants us to have individual relationship. Your cost of discipleship will be unique just to you. Jesus then is not making a a case for universal, you know, everybody sell everything. Now, some people may be called to do that. How many of you have heard of uh, St. Francis of Assisi? St. Francis of Assisi, when he read this story about this rich young man, he said, that is me. He was extremely wealthy. He was raised, you know, in his early life with great riches and luxury and lavish upon lavish. And he was rotten and empty in soul. And he of his heart and volition said, I don't want anything of the riches of this world for the emptiness it created within me. The only thing that can fill it is the spirit of love and peace and Jesus Christ. Now you could go force everybody to be, try to be like St. Francis, but it, it wouldn't work. There were some of like mind who followed him, but hopefully they were those who God had touched in a certain way. So there's not one way for everybody. The truth is that wealth can be spiritual, beneficial. I mentioned a few things here. Number one, it can teach us the hollowness of things. (laughs) Sometimes the reason God blesses you with some material wealth is so you can realize how hollow it all is if that's all there is. And that certainly things 
How many have discovered you can't have a relationship with things? You know, it can be pretty, it can be sparkly, uh, but you can't have a relationship with things. Number two, if used for Christ, wealth can glorify the Father. Thirdly, uh, it can be used by him to fulfill his will in the body as well as within the world. So this, this young man, uh, he walked away, but I hope and pray that he came to the Lord. So my hope and prayer for you guys is that you will want to be disciples. And that is somebody that is saying, I want more than just to you know, go hang out with a, a crowd. And if I can even say this, I realize that there is a, that the church is a family of brothers and sisters, literally. You can call me Pastor Ray but you can also call me brother. I really am your brother. And you are my brothers and my sisters. It's not just a you know, metaphor or something that sounds nice. It's true. And it's forever. And as blessed as I have been, you know, my calling, you think, oh, well, that, you know, you're doing the ministry. No. Do you know that a pastor, teacher, the gift of calling of pastor and teacher, this isn't really, I mean, it is the ministry, but it really is about preparing you for your ministry. This is the, just the in-the-house ministry. But the real ministry is what happens when the flock that is fed and encouraged and built up in the word goes out into the marketplace and into the streets and into the neighborhoods and into the schools and into the real world, and there brings the glory of the Lord. Our goal is not to bring the whole world into the church. Our goal is to bring the church out into the world. That's where the glory of God shines and burns the brightest. Amen? Amen. So I, that's my hope and prayer for you. Well, let's look at uh, verses 24 through 30 briefly here. It's just one last little story. With God, all things are possible. And when Jesus saw that he became, that, he became very sorrowful. He said, how hard it is for those who have riches to enter into the kingdom of God. Why? Because it's so easy to fall in love and trust in, let alone worship, riches. Gives you a sense, you know, it's a false God, but if you've got it for a while, it can seem that it's very nice. For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. Now there are illustrations, and even when you go into Israel, they have, you know, these big doors, and then they'll have little smaller doors and they will liken that unto the eye of the needle. And it's even been called that culturally for some time. At the same time, you know what this also really means? It literally means a camel, which is the biggest animal in the, in the wilderness, going through the eye of a needle. The whole idea of the illustration is it's impossible, not hard, it's impossible. For a camel, how many would agree it's impossible for a real camel to go through the real eye of a needle? That was Jesus' point. <laughs> It can't happen. So here is what Jesus is saying. Well, he says here, the, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. And those who heard it said, who then can be saved? <laughs> Did you ever think that was a little odd? Jesus says, oh, rich people are gonna have a really tough time to get into the kingdom of God. And then all these disciples, none of which are rich, go, oh, well, if they can't make it, then what's the hope is there for us? What is going on here? 
Well, there was a little bit, and especially even in those days, um, a little bit what we would today maybe refer to as kind of the prosperity gospel, that if you add some nice Bible verses, then you can all be rich and happy. And so there was a subtle back teaching that's not from the scriptures that they had, even in the Old Testament. But they interpreted that to mean that rich people have been blessed by God. And if you're poor, it's because there's something wrong with you. Or you don't have enough faith, you're not spiritual enough. And, um, and so these are, their assumption was, uh, well, if they don't make it, what hope is there for us? They were amazed uh, because there was this form of the prosperity gospel that was, it would kind of sound like this, name it and claim it, that's what faith's about. You can have what you want if you just have no doubt. So make up your wish list and keep on believing and you will find then yourself always receiving. <laughs> but not so. Matthew chapter six, verses 19 through 21. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The problem in this verse, or in these verses, is not money. The problem is what? The heart. It's where your heart is. That's what's truly important. Verse 28, then Peter said, see, we have left all and followed you. And I love Jesus' compassion. He said, so he said to them assuredly, I say to you, I can almost see Jesus smiling at Peter. Lord, we gave up everything. We don't have anything. <laughs> and Jesus said, hey, Peter, James, John, guys, there is no one who has left house or parents or brothers or wife or children for the sake of the kingdom of God. And this means not that you rejected them, but they rejected you because you decided to follow Jesus with all your heart. Who shall not receive many times more in this present time and in the age to come eternal life. Oh, how I love what Jesus says here. We're not all just suffering and sacrificing for the good things that will be in heaven later. Jesus promised right here, right now, Today, as you decide, looking at me, Jesus said, to come follow me, whatever you have sacrificed in this life, in this present world, you will receive more than you could have ever dreamed or imagined. Do you realize that in one sense, and, and in a very real sense, you will, never be, you will never be homeless because you have millions of brothers and sisters. You will never go without food because you have millions who will have love and compassion who have Jesus within them. And even if your mother forsake you or your father forsake you, you have millions of spiritual brothers who will embrace you, spiritual sisters who will take you in. The Lord will never leave you. He will never forsake you. World without end. Amen. Great encouragement from our studies in the Gospel of Luke with Pastor Ray Bentley here on Maranatha Radio. Today's study is titled, All Things Are Possible with God. If you missed any part of the presentation, you can hear a replay on iTunes or at raybentley.com. That's raybentley.com. We hope you'll stop by our site today. When you're there, you can leave a few words in tribute to Pastor Ray's life and ministry. 
And under media, you'll notice three words, watch, radio, and Devo. Three ways to enjoy Pastor Ray's insights. Plus, click about and find out more about Pastor Ray and find out how you can come into a deeper relationship with the Lord. And at the bottom of the page, you can sign up to receive Pastor Ray's daily devotions via email, free of charge. And then after 30 years on the radio and the passing of Pastor Ray Bentley in early 2022, we are approaching the end of the Maranatha radio program. We'd like to thank you, our dedicated listeners, who've joined us through the years as we've journeyed with Pastor Ray through the Bible. We'll be continuing the broadcast through the remainder of 2023, but we're excited to share that we'll have a dedicated online location to access all of Pastor Ray's content, including video, audio sermons, books, and more. Please visit raybentley.com to follow along with us. But we hope you'll stay with us here on the radio through the end of the year. Next time, join Pastor Ray for more from our studies in the book of Luke. More from God's Word next time on Maranatha Radio. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ's soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley is an outreach of Maranatha Chapel, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127.